sometimes I just want to feel the music, you know? Have you had that experience where you just feel the music and you can feel it on your skin? That's present moment stuff. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. All of you, I didn't see you slide down, Bob. <laughs> you did sneak out. So last week, we started a journey. And it's the journey that Jesus walked as he went through crucifixion and resurrection. And during that journey, there were seven statements made. And we're going through those seven statements because there's a, there's a hidden wisdom in those statements. There is a pattern for us to observe to transform our lives. This is what unity is all about. This is why I'm here. It's really this. So Charles Fillmore was a brilliant man. He and his wife founded unity, the unity movement in the late 1800s. Myrtle was the mother of unity. She healed herself using these technologies. Charles was much more mental than, than uh, heart-based. And he thought through things and created tools for us that are phenomenal. He spent 30 years looking at the Bible through metaphysical eyes and interpreting it. And he gave meaning to all different kinds of signs, symbols, and stories that exist in that book for us to use as ways to get ourselves through life. And this particular, these seven statements, this pattern that's laid out is one of the most significant. So I'm excited about having the opportunity to share it. And we're going to take it in bite-sized pieces, a little bit at a time. So last week we talked about forgiveness, and we're going to talk more about that today. But first, I want to tell you that the topic of crucifixion, which is one we we all kind of move back from, don't we? Because the story is a little bit brutal. It's a difficult story and hard on our hearts. So when Charles looked at this story, he laid this story out as an opportunity to move something out out of life, to cast something off, to move away from something that is in the way of our coming to our Christed, anointed, most holy center. So I can't tell you what that is for you. I can't tell you what it is that you need to move. But there is something. There is something that is yours to, to move. Michael, I have a little, little scratchy sound up here, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just my hair or something. But if you have any ideas, you tell me. Um, you don't hear it? Maybe I just hear it. You hear it? Yeah. I don't know what that... Do you hear that? You need a loop I need, job. Yeah, I need a loop job. I don't know. Something. <laughs> I need something. I don't know what that is. All right. Well, we'll just try not to pay attention to it now that I've pointed it out to everybody. <laughs> I don't think it's loose. I think it's just something. No, it doesn't sound like anything loose. If you are listening to this tape later on, you're missing a great show. Connie is, is fixing. It's an allegory. That's right. There's hidden wisdom in this. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it is. All right, then. So, so we are on this journey. 
And when we think about what happened with Jesus, he walked through a very brutal experience to let go. In its literal, in its literal appearance. This story is not nearly so brutal as you think it is. It's um, in its metaphysical interpretation, it's a very exciting opportunity for us to make change. So that's what we're going to do. So last week we talked about forgiveness and we talked about the statement, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And I asked you, if you had uh, something terrible happen to you, if someone did something really terrible, awful to you, could you imagine yourself asking for forgiveness for them? Could you imagine that? The worst thing you can think of, can you imagine yourself asking for forgiveness? And I asked you to consider what your belief is about God because at Unity we believe that we're one with God, we're united with God, and we are expressing God as we live, breathe, and have our being. We are expressing God. So if we are expressing God, who are we talking to when we say Father? Who are we going to? And we talked about going to our higher self, going to our most connected place, stepping into that greater self. Maybe you would say mother, maybe you wouldn't. I often think about the fact that that, uh, Jesus was raised in a household where Joseph was not his father. And chances are very good he knew that, right? Joseph was not his biological father. If you are a child looking for something in your life and your biological father is not there for you, what will you be looking for? Your father, yes? So would you not say father as your expression for the greatest love you could have in your life? Father, forgive them. Go to the greatest love you have and forgive them. So he didn't, he didn't forgive them himself, did he? Jesus didn't say, Father, I forgive them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I will take myself to my greatest self, to my greatest state of love, and I acknowledge that forgiveness is. I absolutely affirm that, that this forgiveness is. If you are love, can anything else exist in that field? When you are being the full, true expression of love, can you hold animosity, resentment, anger at someone else? No. You are there. Probably not. Probably not. This is why we forgive our beloveds, why we forgive our children, why we forgive the people who are dear to us, and why it's easy to forgive them, because with them we are love. The same is true in, in, in this particular statement. When I choose to be love, I forgive whatever has happened. When I go to my highest self, I become inherently forgiveness. So step one is be forgiveness, be love. That's what we learned last week. Now we're to step two. So on this journey... When Jesus is taken to Golgotha and put on the crucifix, he is placed between two thieves. Do you remember this in the story? And there's a statement made. He makes a statement to them. Do you remember what the statement is? The statement is, "Today, today you will be in paradise. 
Today you will be with me in paradise. Not yesterday will you be with me in paradise and not tomorrow. Interesting. Today you will be with me in paradise. So Charles Fillmore said that that those two thieves on either side represent the past and the future. Oh, (laughs) that's a good metaphor, isn't it? Yeah, so the past and the future take us away from the present, which is the only place of, of action, the only place in which we can make anything happen. In your seat, where you are right now, is there anything that you can do to affect the past? In your seat right now, is there anything you can do to affect the future? No. The only moment that you can affect is this moment right now. And any time you spend in the past and any time you spend in the future is stealing from this right now, isn't it? That is the most important thing for you to hear today. I could stop right there. That's the most important thing. To remember that your thoughts of the past and your thoughts of the future are stealing your right now. And your right now is when you are expressing the living being of the divine. So anytime you spend away from here, you are unable to fully express. This right now is the most important thing that we have. So what is it that takes us away? Why do we spend time in our yesterdays and our tomorrows? Well, we spend time because we have regrets. We spend time because we have, we have wishes, we have nostalgic feelings about how things used to be. We spend time because we feel guilty about something that we did that we can no longer change. Perhaps we look forward and we're afraid of what might be coming. Or we're worried that if we don't take care of certain things, when we get to our tomorrow, it won't look like we want it to look. So we spend time concerned about that. Harvard University says we spend two hours and 15 minutes a day worrying. What? (laughs) Two hours and 15 minutes a day the average person spends in yesterday or tomorrow. Add that up for a week, for a month, for a year for your whole life. Oh my gosh. This particular study says the average adult loses six years of life. Six years of your life worrying about what was or what's coming. Enough, yes? Shall we be done with that today? Yeah, let's let that go. (laughs) Let's not do that anymore. So how do we do that? What happens? How do we lose our track? We get caught up in fear. We get caught up in worry. We get caught up in anticipation. We get caught up in expectation. Um, We get caught up in our digital wonderland, our technology, right? Which is an interesting thing, that whole technological place that we're in right now where we spend so much of our time being who we want the world to see, right? It's a wonderful thing. We can totally control how the world sees us because we only have to tell the world what we want them to see. And we're communicating with thousands of people 
who really don't ever step into our regular life. They only see our lives through the eyes of what we fashion. It's not authentic, is it? It's not the same as having a person-to-person conversation in this moment about how we really are and how we feel and what we're thinking. So how do we move from this place? It's a great thing to talk about, but how do we actually move out of that two hours and 15 minutes or maybe more for some of us? There are a couple of things that we can do. The first is to remember that we have four subtle bodies, four ways that we are connected to the oneness of all. And those four subtle bodies are our physical body, our mental body, our emotional body, and our spiritual body. So this physical body that you see is not all of you. There are actually four levels at which we're plugged in to all that is. And if we want to be in the right now, we have to make all four of those levels play well together. We have to connect them. Generally, we're a little bit connected to all of them, but not fully connected to any of them. So let's start with the physical body. Put your feet on the ground. Really notice what it feels like to have your feet on the ground, to feel yourself down to your feet. Now feel yourself in your calves and in your thighs and in your hips. Feel yourself sitting in the chair. Now feel yourself up the spine of your back. Are you straight or curved? Feel yourself all the way up the spine of your back to your neck. And notice where your head is sitting on the spine of your neck. Got it? All the way up to the top of your head. Remember how they used to tell you to walk like you had a string holding your head up? Remember that? We don't generally feel ourselves all the way in our body. Our feet move without us having to think. Remember when your children were learning to walk and they were just learning and they would take steps and pretty soon their head would get ahead of their body and you could watch them and you knew it was coming, right? They were going over. That's kind of how we move with our bodies. Our mental body is ginormous. (laughs) We have a big head and a little bitty body. (laughs) We are right up here all the time and it pulls us over so that we're not even balanced. We don't even feel ourselves in our body. So first we slow down and we connect with our physical form because this miracle that carries our soul around tells us what we need to know about the here and now. It tells us if it's hot, if it's cold, if we're alone, if we're with someone else, if it's day, if it's night. It tells us through our senses everything we need to know about this present moment. And if we're moving so quickly that we can't feel ourselves in our body, we're working at a, at a very big disadvantage when it comes to being in the moment. So slow down. Slow down the pace of your steps. Thich Nhat Hanh says, walk as if you were kissing the earth. Put your feet on the earth intentionally. Slow down. As you slow down, notice that you breathe. Notice your breath. Notice your senses. Notice when you eat what food tastes like. Notice what you see 
what your eyes are taking in. And what will happen as you see and hear and feel and sense is that you'll begin to have thoughts about what it is that you're sensing. Because that's the way it works, because the physical body leads to the mental body. And the mental body wants to make meaning out of what's there, if it's paying attention. If the mental body is thinking about what it's going to post on Facebook later this afternoon, or taking a picture of what it's looking at rather than interacting with what it's looking at, if the mental body is engaged in something that is not actually right there, it will pull you out of your physical body. Your mental body has the, the opportunity to take in what you're experiencing. In this moment right now, you're experiencing the divine, if you're paying attention. But there's a cost. They don't call it paying attention for nothing. The cost is to pay attention, to be present in this moment. Then we think through what is being given to us by the divine, and we feel it down into our physical body. And when we're thinking in this moment, we have emotions that follow that. We may feel joy. We may feel gratitude. We may feel sorrow. We may see something in this moment or be aware of something in this moment that we feel pain from, which is one of the biggest reasons we don't want to be in our physical body because we don't want to feel pain. So if we think hard enough and fast enough and move quickly enough through life, we don't have to do that. But we don't get to feel joy either because it's like a metronome, right? It's balance on both sides. So if we want to feel joy, happiness, pleasure, connection, we have to be willing to feel. Our physical body and our mental body will bring us to our emotional body. And when we start feeling, we suddenly find ourselves in gratitude. We suddenly find ourselves in love. We suddenly find ourselves experiencing something that naturally brings us to the divine, to an awareness of our interconnectedness with spirit, with all things, because we wouldn't be feeling it otherwise. So if we want to be in this present moment, we have to pay attention to all four subtle bodies because one alone does not give it to us. They all four work together. And they work either way. If you go to spirit and you pray and you feel your heart filled with love, you have now gone spirit to emotional body and your brain says, oh, that's love. I love when I feel love. That makes me very happy. Your brain starts to make sense of it and you come into your physical body feeling it. It can work any way, forward, backward, inside out, upside down. But these four bodies work together. And if we want to be in the present moment, we have to plug into these four bodies. So it's not by accident that Jesus said, today you will join me in paradise. You will not join me in paradise tomorrow. You will not join me in paradise yesterday. You will only find paradise in this right now. So does that mean there's no heaven? It means when heaven is right now, we'll worry about that. This is about right now. If you practice now and now 
and now, and now, when you get to heaven, now will take care of itself, right? But if you spend all of your time worrying about whether you're getting there or not, you're missing now. And this is where the Holy Center lies. So if you come here every Sunday because you want to be connected to the divine, because you want to have a personal experience of, I almost said the G word, of the holy, of the eternal, if you want that, you do it in this moment. Got it? Okay. I have some quotes for you. This is from Eckhart Tolle. He says, Unease, anxiety, tension, stress, worry, all forms of fear are caused by too much future and not enough presence. Guilt, regret, resentment, grievances, sadness, bitterness, and all forms of non-forgiveness are caused by too much past and not enough presence. I'll email that out to you guys later today. That's a good one. Ram Dass said, the next message you need is always right where you are. This is from the television show Boston Common, and I love this statement. It says, would you keep a chive on your tooth just because you enjoyed last night's potato? (laughs) You're going to see somebody with food in their teeth, and you're going to think about that. (laughs) Victoria Morin said, in this moment, there's plenty of time. In this moment, you are precisely as you should be. In this moment... There is infinite possibility. And Thich Nhat Hanh said, drink your tea slowly and reverently, as if, the, as if it is the axis on which the entire world revolves, slowly, evenly, without rushing toward the future. Live the actual moment. Only this moment is life.